got to have those flowers. Yeah, something to look at. This particular uh, topic has been on my heart for quite a while. One of the la uh, last time when I uh, talked about uh, repentance was quite a while ago, but I want to go into it a little bit more today. But just as an aside, wouldn't it be great if that conference on the rapture never took place? Amen? We talked about that this morning. You know, a couple of us just shared how exciting the times that we're in right now that the Lord has promised to come. And we can see signs all around us, all around us. The thing that just took place up in Oregon at, the, at that uh, college where the gunman came in and took the lives of many people. And how that, according to some witnesses, that he, he asked if anybody was a Christian. And those that claimed that they were Christians were shot in the head, executed. Those that didn't get up when he asked, they were shot in the leg. And then the gunman took his life. That is the M.O. of Satan. That's exactly how he operates. Destruction and then self-destruction. We see through scripture and we see it in society. So, with that in mind, in, in almost three weeks from now, we're going to have this opportunity in the community to share God's word. And I'm convinced that, you, you know, they say, well, you say this every year, Dave, and I, that's true. I don't think we're, I think this is the last one. I don't think we're going to be here next year. Now, I might be wrong. I pray that I'm not. I want to be in heaven be before next year. We, there's, the, the, the idea of repentance is very, very critical when it comes to sharing the gospel. It's one of the topics that we hear very little of when we hear the quote-unquote gospel because it's left out. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what repentance is, according to the Bible, but we're also going to talk about what it's not. And I've got uh, several points on what it is not. But let's, as we begin, let's turn in Romans chapter 3 and verse 24. <clears throat> this Thursday at Awana, got there a little bit early and uh, had the opportunity to talk one-on-one -on -one with a young, uh, young boy in my group. His name is Jack. You might want to pray for Jack. And uh, he was uh, quoting some verses that he uh, was going to have signed off in his Awana book. And it was Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so I said, Jack, what is sin? And he gave me a perfect definition of sin. It's disobeying God, his commandments. And then I said, um, what are wages? He says, those are things that you earn. And I said, okay. 
And I went through that, and he totally understood his position before God, that he had fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And in Romans 3 and verse 24, it says here, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God sent forth as a propitiation or satisfaction by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where is boasting then? Is it excluded by what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. And so, as I again shared with Jack, the need for him to repent. And he admitted that. But there was no desire to do it then. I said, you know, what are you waiting for? He says, I don't know. Well, I'm not going to force anybody. I'm not going to buttonhole anybody. Because repentance is a work by the Holy Spirit in the heart of a person. He causes people to want to repent. And so um, in three weeks when we are there at the street fair, we need to be very careful when we share the gospel that we share the whole gospel. The gospel is not saying, or a person saying, well, I want to go to heaven, and so I'll just simply ask Jesus to come into my heart. You can look through the scriptures and you will not find that anywhere, asking Jesus into your heart. But what we do find in Acts chapter 20, verses 20 and 21, Paul says, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. If you could turn with me to Luke chapter 13. We find here a similar incident that we experienced this past week up in Oregon. And in verse 1 it says, There were present at that season some who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifice. In other words, they were, they were worshiping and in comes Pilate's men and massacred them. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? And this is the key verse here. I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. What's the definition of repentance? Repentance is the recognition of our lost condition and our inability to save ourselves. 
I'll say it again. Repentance is the recognition of our lost condition and our inability to save ourselves. It's interesting that there are some theologians that disagree with the, the fact that we're to repent. I have a eight-volume set by a man named Lewis Berry Schaefer. And most of it's pretty good. But in volume three, under the title, Terms of Salvation, this is what he says. The Bible fails to recognize the necessity of repentance in addition to believing. I totally disagree with that because Acts 20, 21 says that. Repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. When a person does repent, in other words, he recognizes or she recognizes their lost condition, their inability to save themselves, and they turn from their way to Christ by faith, and they receive eternal salvation, repentance doesn't stop there. A lot of people say, well, yeah, once you repented, then you're done. You don't have to, you don't have to repent anymore. I totally disagree with that. Um, the IHA Ironside says, the more a person knows God as he goes on through the years, the deeper that repentance becomes. Uh, a Christian once said, I repented before I even knew the meaning of the word, and I've repented far more since. <laughs> when you are made aware of sin in your life, you have to make a decision. You have to repent. In Revelation chapter 2 and 3, the Lord Jesus, out of the seven churches, five of them, he calls on them to repent, and they're Christians. Now, I want you to understand something about repentance. There is no saving merit in acknowledging your true condition, which is what repentance is. There is no saving merit in acknowledging my true condition. Let me give you an example. There's no healing in the fact that you admit you're sick. You all agree? I mean, I can remember a couple years ago, I woke up one morning, and I've shared this before, that I had a bad case of cellulitis, and it, it, my leg felt like it was broken. Thank the Lord that Rod was there, and he took me to the hospital. But the thing is, if I laid there in bed and realized that there was something wrong, if I realized my condition and my inability to help myself, I'm not going to get better. <laughs> what do I have to do? I have to go to the doctor. I have to go. And so in Luke 5.31, it says, uh, the Lord says, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Now, I want to go over three things that repentance is not. First of all, repentance is not penitence. Second of all, it's not remorse. And third of all, it's not reformation. Penitence, what is penitence? Penitence is being sorry 
for my sin. There is no amount of sorrow about your sin that will bring salvation. One of the classic examples, of course, is Judas. Judas was sorry. He was sorry that what he had done. But he wasn't saved. It didn't save him. Uh, several people here at this assembly are in law enforcement. And they will tell you, when they arrest that guy, caught red-handed, burglary or whatever, is there sorrow? Oh, yeah. That guy's real sorry. Is he sorry he did it? Probably not. But he is sorry he's going to jail. See, so there's two different types of sorrow the Bible tells us. There's, there's sorrow of the world, and then there's sorrow or godly sorrow. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly sorrow works repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. What does that mean? Godly sorrow brings about true repentance. And when that person repents, they will never later on be sorry that they repented or that they accepted Christ. <clears throat> Years ago, when our booth used to be up in the park right across from the library uh, for the street fair, we'd have this man, and I could always, and I've shared this before with some of you, I could always tell this guy from a long distance because he had a, he had a hairpiece that looked like a rug. I mean, it was really bad. And he comes, and he was always dressed as a monk because everybody dresses up at the street fair. They're, they've got a little costume parade and all that sort of thing. Even the adults get into it. And uh, he came, and he would argue about Christianity. And he says, I used to be a Baptist. He says, yeah, I used to believe in all that. But then I changed my mind. Now I'm, he's involved in a cult where people ride bicycles and you know come to your door and that sort of thing. He says, but see, so what he did is that he was sorry that he repented. So obviously he wasn't saved. Peter exhibited godly sorrow because remember after he denied the Lord three times, he went out and wept bitterly and he, re he was restored. So repentance is not penitence. It's not just simply being sorry. And number two, repentance is not remorse. Remorse is not repentance towards God. It doesn't bring any pardon. It doesn't bring any remission of sins. It's the terrible aftermath of continual rejection of the word of God even though the person may be in bitter sorrow over opportunities uh, that they lost forever. Remorse is what people will experience for the rest of eternity in hell. When the Bible talks about in uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 44, their worm die, uh, dieth not. In other words, they're going to have that consciousness, that remorse for the fact that they rejected Christ as their savior. And it's going to be for eternity. Remorse results in no change in the conscience. It's a warning from God to not play fast and loose with divine revelation 
because its results will last forever. Because see, once death occurs, there is no changing. You can't say, well, I know as soon as I die, I'll realize that I made a mistake and I'm, then I'm going to repent. No, you're not. If you take a look in Mac, uh, Luke 16, the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man ended up in, in hell. What was his comment? Oh, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry I didn't accept you, God. No. He says, I, I need water here. Would someone bring, please bring some water. No, no consciousness of I was wrong. But even then, it wouldn't matter because God sealed his fate. So nowhere in the Bible is a person exhorted to feel a certain amount of sorrow for their sins in order to come to Christ. Whenever a person truly repents, they will seek to right any wrongs that they have done to their fellow man. Again, when a person truly repents, it will be evidence in their life to restore things that they have the ability to restore. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> when I was teaching high school woodshop up at Big Bear back in the 80s, my wood shop was right next door to the auto shop, and uh, Fred Cardinal was the auto shop teacher. And uh, we were talking one morning before class started in the teacher's lounge, and he says, he says, Dave, you wouldn't believe what happened yesterday after school. I said, what was that? He said, one of my former students came to the auto shop, and he had hundreds of dollars in brand new hand tools, high quality hand tools. And he said, in Fred's words is that he got religion and he wanted to repay all the tools that he had stolen as a student. <laughs> That's true repentance. He realized that he needed to restore those things. How about you and I, even as Christians? Are there things that we need to get right with other believers? Are there things that we've done to other people, even to unbelievers, that we need to get right? Well, if we've truly repented, if we truly have God's spirit within us, we need to make those things right. Because there's going to come a time very soon we're not going to have that opportunity anymore. And so it's not remorse. It results in a change of life. Um, one example would be Luke 7.38, the, the woman who was, came in and washed Jesus' feet. She was so thankful that she had been, uh, that her sins had been forgiven, that she did this beautiful act of worship. Um, and then third, repentance is not reformation. Reformation is turning over a new leaf. Okay? Turning it over a new leaf. To replace bad habits with good habits. To try to live a good life instead of doing evil. That's reformation. But in Ephesians 2.10, it tells us, let's take a look at that real quick. Ephesians 2. Ten. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for or unto good works, which God prepared before that we should walk in them. So you don't turn over a new leaf and then get saved. That doesn't work. Give me an example. Um, Jabe Nicholson shared a, um, an incident of a man that he knew that got saved on the East Coast up in Canada. And this man just really loved the Lord. He wanted to share the gospel with everybody. And as he was driving down the East Coast of Canada, he uh, pulled over to get a cup of coffee. And when he did, he bought the coffee, he got, he got change. And on one of the dollar bills, now again, I might have shared this before, so there might be one person that didn't hear this story. But on the dollar bill, there was a phone number. So what did he do? He went to the wall, went over to the wall, picked up the phone and dialed the number. And uh, a lady, young, young gal answered the phone and he introduced himself and my name is so-and-so and I saw your, this phone number on a dollar bill and I would like to tell you about the Lord Jesus. She says, uh, just a minute, then silence and all of a sudden a man's voice came on the phone. Hello. And he went through the same thing, explained who he is and how that he saw the phone number on the dollar bill and that uh, he wanted to share the love of God and about the Lord Jesus with the man. And the man says, well, then come to my house. And he gave him the directions to his house. It was way out in the boondocks. So he did. He drove out there, pulled up to this rural house, and out comes this man and this young lady, and the man was tattooed everywhere fully tattooed, hair and a ponytail down to the back of his, down to his belt, and the lady with him found out that they were living together, they weren't married. And so he introduced himself, and the guy says, hold on just a second, before you start, I want to share something, what happened to me last week. He says, I felt this emptiness in my heart. And he said, I, I was seeking after God. So I drove over 70 miles to a monastery to ask them if they can help me get right with God. And uh, their answer to me was, you got to clean up your act. And his response was, well, if I can clean up my own act, I don't need God. <laughs> and so he just turned around and left and came back. And he says, okay, what do you have? Well, this dear saint shared the gospel with this couple, and they both got saved. First thing they did after they got saved, what do you think? They got married. They knew that they were not living the right life, so they got married. And they got involved in a local assembly. And to this day, they have absolutely no idea how their phone number got in that dollar bill. They never gave it to anybody. They didn't write it themselves. But, see, we have a God that knows their phone number. And sure, God wrote it down. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? You can't, you know, he went to see if, 
you know, if I clean up my life, then, then I'll get saved. No, the Bible says, no, that's not, that's not the way it is. You have to receive Christ. See, reformation is an outward change. Repentance is an inward change. That's the difference. And uh, another example was uh, Harry Ironside was involved in a radio program, a Bible study on, on the radio. And as he was outside the sound booth in, in a, the little office area, they broadcasted over the loudspeaker uh, advertisements that were going on the airwaves. And uh, the uh, advertisement was such that, go to such and such a shop to get your watch fixed. And then went on and talked about the, the company and that sort of thing, to get your watch fixed. Well, when it was over, someone in the office says, I don't need someone to fix my watch. What I need is a watch. <laughs> you see, reformation is fixing the watch. Repentance is a recognition that you don't have a watch, that you need Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So reformation is, again, like watch repairing. Repentance is a recognition of the lack of a watch. The word repentance is the Greek word metanoia. It means literally a change of mind. It's not the acceptance of new ideas in place of old notions. That's not what repentance is all about. It involves a complete reversal of someone's inward attitude towards sin. Sin, we, get, we must realize, is an offense to a holy God. Psalm 51, verse 4. Unto thee and thee only have I sinned, David said. Against thee have only have I sinned. It's also a recognition or a reversal of your attitude towards yourself. I am totally incapable of saving myself. Totally incapable. That's what repentance is. And it's also a reversal of your ideas about God. God is not this just this loving person that's just going to say, oh, okay, everybody, come on into heaven. No, it's not going to happen. There must be repentance and faith towards Christ. And then also that the fact that Christ is the all-sufficient one. He is the one that saves us. In Acts 17, verse 30, let's take a look at that. Acts 17, verse 30. Acts 17, verse 30 says, Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. So everyone is required or commanded to repent. The, the pleasure lover sees the folly of his empty life. Um, couple about two or three months about two months ago <clears throat> and I might have shared this on a Wednesday night but uh, my 
the, the, my grandfather clock was not running correctly. And so I took all the guts out, took it down to a, a, a clock a repair man down in Riverside that I've gone to many times before. And uh, he called up and he says, your clock's ready to be picked up. So it was on a Saturday and I took Drake with me because Drake loves clocks and especially cuckoo clocks. And so we go, go down there and we go into this room and there's cuckoo clocks all over the walls. He just, oh, he was good. But on the way down, I asked him, I said, uh, Drake, what's your favorite Sunday school song? And he says, Jesus loves me. I said, okay, let's sing it. So we're singing, Jesus, you know. And then we went to another one, and we went to another one, and we went to another one. He, he had all these songs, and <clears throat> he's got a better idea of tune or tone than even his father. Um, and I just don't, don't tell him that, okay? But Drake, Drake sang, sang on, on tune. It was, I was very impressed. So we get down to this clock place, and one of the clocks is like the ones that the Markley have, you know, that has all these gears, and then it plays a tune every quarter hour. Well, this one all of a sudden started playing, Jesus loves me, this. And Drake's eyes got big. He says, Papa. We just sang that song in the car. I said, yeah, we did. So anyway, the, the boss's son was the one that was helping me get my clock parts in a, in a box and you know, paid him and that sort of thing. And, and there was kind of heavy, and I had to hold Drake. So he, he carried the, the clock parts out to the, uh, the parking lot to the car. And as we were walking out there, I said, uh, excuse me, uh, do you know the Lord Jesus is your savior to this, this young man? And he looked at me, this big smile comes across his face. He says, four years ago. Four years ago, he says, I, I had all the pleasures I wanted, but there was an emptiness in my heart. And he says, I heard the gospel, and I got saved. And he says, you know, my father's not saved. Would you pray for him? And so we prayed for him. He was seeking pleasure, and he didn't find any comfort in that pleasure. The self-indulgent person learns to hate the passions that show his corrupt nature. The self-righteous one sees himself as a condemned sinner in the eyes of a holy God, kind of like Saul of Tarsus. And then the Christ-rejector realizes his need for a redeemer. So what happens in heaven when a person repents? Luke 15, 10. Jesus said, likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that accepts Jesus Christ as his personal state. No, over one sinner that repents. And so we know that that happens. The question is, what leads a person to repent? Well. I basically narrated the acronym NEWS, N-E-W-S, North, East, West, South. And in the Bible, whenever it's talking about something from the north, it's always referencing to something, a calamity, a, a tragedy, something that just is overwhelming. And how many people do you know that thank the Lord that they ever got thrown in jail? Henry Sardinia, Larry Price. Steve, <laughs> you know, they thank the Lord that there was calamity, that there was tragedy in their life. That brought them to repentance. 
the north. And then the east. The east, east direction speaks to us of the early part of the day, the early part of your life. And many, many people have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior when they were young. That's why it's so important for us to have the Sunday school, to have Awana, to have Brigade, TNT, the camp, VBS. All of these are so important because we, that's the time when most people come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. They repent and trust Christ. And then the West. What's the West? That's the end of the day, late in life. And a lot of people on their last, on their deathbed, with, with their last breath, has, have confessed Christ as their Savior and Lord. What about the South? The South in the Bible speaks to us of blessings. In Acts 27, 13, Paul talks about, or Luke, in his uh, uh, talking about the, uh, the uh, sailing trip that they had, he says, when the south winds blew softly. In Romans 2, 4, it tells us that the goodness of God leads us to repentance. And you know, it's interesting when a baby is born, especially the first baby in a family. This hit me this morning as I was, I got up early and was looking over some scriptures. Let's take a look at Genesis chapter five. This is really, uh, I really enjoyed this thought that the Lord gave me. <coughs> Excuse me, Genesis chapter five and verse 21. And it says this, Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. That was his firstborn. Notice verse 22. And after he begat Methuselah, what happened? Enoch walked with God. Up until the birth of his child, there's no record that he walked with God, but it was at the birth of that child that made him realize that he needed to walk with God, not only for his own sake, but the for, sake, for the sake of his child. How many people do we know that at the birth of their child, it changed their life? It made them understand and realize the importance that we have to be an example to lead them to the Lord. And so we have the north, east, south, or west and south, there can be no faith without repentance and no repentance without faith. And so we have repentance and the preaching of Peter. Let's turn to Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. Acts chapter 2 And of course, this was the, the great speech, the message that Peter delivered on the day of Pentecost. And in verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, that is the gospel, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what should we do? That's what repentance is. 
In other words, we've heard it. We realize that we were wrong. Now, what do we do? Well, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And many were saved that day. That's the same thing that people said to John the Baptist when he preached the kingdom. The tax collectors said, what do we do? He says, don't collect more than you're supposed to. The soldiers said, what do we do? He said, be content with your wages and don't wrongly accuse anybody. The difference uh, that the Philippian jailer who was a godless Gentile seeking deliverance. Now those are Jews. Now here we go with the Gentile. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And I believe in that, that word believing is encapsulated the idea that you, you must repent. Luke 13, 3, the Lord Jesus said, unless you repent, you'll perish. So there must be repentance. If, if there was, if you've been living your life and, and uh, you just, you don't have a love for God, you don't have a love for the Bible, you don't have a love to being around people, or Christians and everything like that, maybe you should check back and see, did you ever repent? Maybe that's the missing thing. Maybe that's the missing link in your life. And so, John, um, again, like we said, there's, no, there's nothing merit, meritorious about repentance. It's simply the recognition of our lost condition. Every person, whether they're Jew or Gentile, must judge this world and then turn from it to Christ. The shortest testimony that I've ever read, ever heard of, was from a soldier. He was asked to give his testimony. So he gets up on the stage and he just simply said this. God said, halt, about face, forward march. And he sat down. Halt, about face, forward march. That's repentance. That's not only repentance turning from where you were, the direction you were going, but it's also turning to Christ. And that's what saves you. And so, as we finish up here, let's turn to um, a scripture, uh, Luke chapter 23, that Rod uh, brought us to at the breaking of bread. And let's see the, if the essence of repentance is in here. <clears throat> We're looking at Luke 23, and we'll begin at verse 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you're the Christ, save yourself and us. But notice what the other one says, answering. He rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? Here it is. Here's the... Um, Indication, here's the proof of repentance. 
and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Repentance and faith to Christ. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say unto you, today you will be with me in paradise. That thief had no opportunity to prove in his life that there was repentance because he was going to be dead in just a few moments. But his confession showed what was in his heart. There was repentance and there was faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't get saved without repentance. Repentance alone cannot save you. Faith in Christ saves you. And so we think of um, just in Luke 15, I'll just mention it about the prodigal son. The father was waiting patiently for that young son to repent. A lot of people say, well, the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, that's talking about a backslidden Christian. I used to think that, but I don't believe that anymore. Because if you look in Luke chapter 15, he's talking about three incidences. He's talking about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. All of them had to be found. His point was God's response to a sinner. And so the son gets his, all his money, and he goes into the far country. And, of course, he eventually exchanged his friends for pigs and his money and his food for husks. Pretty good exchange rate, don't you think? But that's what he did. And then he came to himself, which is what we've been talking about this morning. It's repenting. He says, how many of my father's servants have enough to spare? And I hear I'm, I'm with these pigs. I will go. See, there was a change of mind. I'm going to go to my father's house. He didn't say, I'm going to go see my brother. <laughs> Why didn't he say that? His brother didn't like him. His brother could, couldn't stand him. But he did know the love of his father. He knew that never changed. This morning, I don't know if there's anyone here who has never come and repented of their sin and have trusted Christ as their Savior that is in the need of that. But if you haven't repented, you need to do so. You need to understand your lost condition between, between yourself and a holy God. And you need to realize that you can't save yourself. That's what repentance is. And you need to put your faith and trust in what Christ accomplished at the cross. When he hung on that cross and that blood flowed, the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. There's no taking away of sin. And it's the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that cleanses us from our sin. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We're so thankful, Father, that your son said, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Father, I don't know 
the status of everybody in this room. I only know for sure of the only one in this room that's saved, and that's me, because, Father, I remember that day when I repented and I asked Christ to become my Savior. Oh, Father, if there's anyone here today that has not taken that step of repentance and faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ, that they will do so before it's eternally too late. Father, we think of the street fair coming up, all the opportunities that we will have to be able to share the good news. And Father, we pray that we will share that news and see souls saved before it's eternally too late. And now, Father, as we are about to go next door and, and uh, have uh, the food that has been prepared, we ask that you would bless the hands that prepared it and pray, Father, also that uh, we'll, you will bless the fellowship. We ask this giving thanks for your son, to your son, for what he has done for us at Calvary in his name.